Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Street Hockey Radio. I am not Bill Matz. I am, I am Steph Driver. <laughs> Bill is is day to day with an upper lower body injury. M- mid yeah. body. Is mid what body. We agreed on yeah. mid body. Mid body. Bill is sick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we are here tonight with a special guest who I'm going to introduce first. We have Steve Jaco from Fly Purbly, our brand new BSH partner podcast how are you steve i'm doing great uh very happy to be aboard and uh be on the show tonight we are so happy you were able to make it last minute um you know i make things happen (laughs) what are your what are your flyers quick hits my flyers quick hits so in the skills competition at the all-star game i had an important discovery i finally came to terms with the fact that Braden shen is better than claude Giroux because he did better in the passing competition i mean come on facts are facts right so wait does that mean Claude Giroux is better than Nikita Kucherov? It does. Actually, okay, perfect. The I passing mean, competition yeah. well, pretty much determines all of this stuff. And it's true. That's what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Look, facts are facts. I mean, that's life. Yeah. That's life. That's hockey. From theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Want to throw some facts out here about our very own Shane Gossespierre. So, Shane Gossespierre this year has averaged 0.733 points per game. In his rookie year, he had 0.719 points per game where literally everything was going right. You know, he shot over 10%. Everything he was doing was going in the back of the net. Uh, yeah, overtime game winners, game tying goals. It was like this amazing rookie season. He's actually scoring at a higher pace this year than he did that year. And I feel like even though we do praise Ghost and we talk about how good he is on the show, you know, maybe people, I think, in general aren't noting as much as they should that Ghost hasn't just bounced back from last year. He's actually been better than he was in his rookie year when we spent all that rookie year saying well he, he's not actually this good like no mm. he, he might be even better than what he was in his rookie year you know really really smart people put them at the top of their 25 under 25 uh. <laughs> ranking like the really smart the people. smartest people. i like it <laughs> the really smart people it was me my favorite human being to walk the earth the flyby herself kelly hinkle it's me so i have two things real quick i just want to thank 
BSH Radio fans, Jay and Rick, for hooking me up with memory from my computer. And now it works and it's not crappy anymore. So thank you for Hooray! that. And also, um, I'm starting to feel a little bit itchy because Dave Hackstall's doing things that aren't bad. Mm. And I don't know what to do like with my hands or with my body. Like I don't know what's happening anymore. So itchy. Is yeah, it's, everything is like itchy. <laughs> like, a great so, word for that. So the lines in practice today... Top line remain the same. We're looking at a second line of Nolan Patrick, Wayne Simmons, Jake Voracek. So we've moved Jake to the left wing Uh to accommodate that line existing. And I am here for it. And I don't know what that means. Like, I feel like I'm having like an existential crisis. Is Yuri Laterra still playing? Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Well. Okay. So it's not that. (laughs) All right. So we're still, we're still safe for now, but. Can't move the statue. See, that's the thing that I found with Dave Hackstall is there are some things that you're like, oh, okay, this is good, but you don't have to look very far to light it all on fire again. That's true. That's true. I was letting my excitement cloud my judgment. He's still actually bad. Yeah. We had a very, very long talk about this during, I believe it was the drunk show. It was. Oh, God. It all mushed together. Yeah. It it was like. What happens in drunk shows? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was about an hour and 40 minutes. (laughs) Um, Uh, I I know something about long podcasts. Yeah. Yes, you do. (laughs) I probably is about two hours long every week. And it's all quality. Let me tell you. It is. Um, It's not. (laughs) (laughs) So. Like, there are things that are going well. And I finally, this weekend, I think it was actually just yesterday, got to the point where I know what it would take for me to change my mind about Dave Haxtall because I am just 100% out, like mm-hmm. 100% out. I would need a thorough explanation about what the hell the plan is. Like, whether it's what he's doing or what the overall plan is, I need I need somebody to tell me because... Whatever I believe the plan is, whatever I've been told, like the little snippets up to this point, either they're A, not doing it, or B, they're failing wildly. Yeah. I think I would need uh, Ron to be in that meeting as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it otherwise. No. No, no. no. Uh, Yeah. So you need some sort of roadmap, which is obviously not going to happen with a guy like Hack, who is about as tight-lipped as possible. It's not going to happen with a guy like Hextall either. Hextall's even tighter-lipped than Hack. It's not going to happen, obviously, but I get what Steph's saying. Like, you... It would be nice to have something that makes you go, oh, okay. That's what you're doing. I get it now. Wow. How could I have been so blind? Yeah. Right. So the point I will make about the lineups, though, is Mm. that, like, I do think, I think sometimes the fan base um, puts, like, the decision to play a fourth liner on the same level as the decision to, like, put a guy on the top pair who sucks. Like, Everything matters less the further down the lineup you go. So, like, I don't think you can say that, well, it's smart that that, that Voracek is with Nolan Patrick and Nolan Patrick got elevated, but Yuri Laterra is still on the team, so fuck Hackstall. Like, Yuri Laterra being on the team is not that big of a deal because he's on the fourth line. Like, yeah, I'd ideally rather him not be on the fourth but, line, but it's not having that major of an impact. But what if he's also getting PK and power play time? Fair, but the second power play unit sucks well, anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's true. That's fact. Yeah. Well, folks, today was the end of an era. It is the end of the Yaramir Yager era. It's a bummer. In the Ooh. NHL. So he cleared waivers. Calgary put him on waivers yesterday. Cleared today to be reassigned to, was it Cla- Cladno? Uh, yeah, Czech Republic. Yeah. His team over there. And, and that has already been set in motion. So 
it was a very long time that Yager spent in this league. Um, so that sucks. It kind of bums me out that he's going out with a whimper, not with a bang. Yeah, but yeah. he's still going to be playing. It's yeah. not like he's his career is over just over here. He'll never stop playing. No, I don't never, think he will. No. I don't think that he will. <laughs> no. I don't think that he's capable. I don't think so either. All right. So since the last episode, not very much has happened. We had two games. There was the overtime win against Detroit where Detroit allowed an AMAC goal. Which means they're relegated, right? They, they have yeah, to just, just kick them out. Yeah. I mean, the, the two games that we had against them this season. Relegation. Dale yeah. Weiss and Andrew McDonald scored goals. Good job, guys. Like, like you're... They, good, good effort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you tried. Yeah. We think. Maybe. <laughs> so... And then and then the Flyers got pantsed by the Lightning on Thursday. Oh boy, did they ever. It was very ugly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I want to go on a little not ramp but just kind of diatribe on the Lightning game because mm. to me that was we talked about this last week about how I made the point that you know moves like sending Travis Anheim down it's argued that it's like short term versus long term but really it would help in the middle term and I think this game was a perfect example of why keeping Travis Sanheim and playing him on a regular basis would have been helpful in the middle term because you saw in this game that the Flyers just don't have the defensive depth to compete against a team like the Lightning like they just don't you know Ghost and Provorov's pairing was great and the other two pairings got destroyed and that's basically how they lost the game and in the end, you know, if the Flyers make the playoffs, they're probably going to make it as like as a wild card. Whether it's the first or second wild card, they're probably they're going to have to face Tampa or Washington or Pittsburgh. You know, I would think those are the three teams that are most likely to win their divisions. And I don't know if this defense core as currently constituted can hold up against any of them in a seven game series. And to me, having Travis Sanheim on the roster and letting him work through his issues, you know, I would be more. I, I think it's more likely that he figures things out and stabilizes a second or third pair than it is that, you know, a, a bottom four of McDonald, Haig, Manning, and Gudis can stand up against the three lines that, you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, and Tampa can roll. Like, against the Devils, against Detroit, you can get by with just one good pair. But against the really good teams that you're going to have to face in the first round of the playoffs, you need at least two good pairs. And by sending Sanheim down, you've basically conceded that, well, we're, we're only going to have one good pair, and the other two pairs are just going to be eh. But we don't trust Sanheim, so we're not going to try. This game, I think, showed you that if they want to have any chance, if we're assuming they make the playoffs, and that's obviously a pretty, you know, large assumption if we assume they make the playoffs they're going to need more from that back end to put a scare into one of those teams and the only way i see them being able to get more from that back end is if travis sandheim is a part of it i completely agree with you because something that we've talked about something you've talked about on this show before is that during the playoffs it's just natural that teams shorten their benches right. so it's really only the top two pairings that are getting ice time during the playoffs Th that's still going to be I mean, Ghost and Provorov, wonderful, but it's still going to be Andrew McDonald and, and Robert Haig. That's yeah, that's going to be who's getting the other lion's share of the minutes, and it just that just doesn't work. And maybe they're like maybe they're okay with that. Maybe they really look at this year as if we make the playoffs, it's a success, and who really cares how we do in the first round? Because our only real goal this year is to make the playoffs. But 
that does that kind of goes counter to what they say and that oh well you make the playoffs anything can happen well put yourself in a position where maybe you can make some noise and as i've said before if you let travis sanheim work through his issues now maybe by march and april he's you know kind of like what brady shea brought to the rangers lineup last year where in the playoffs he was really an impactful player because he worked through some of his issues and became that guy in the you know in the first round to me, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna put a scare into Tampa Bay with that bottom four no, on and, your defense. You're just and not, not. Yeah, and not only that, but if you are conceding that just getting in is enough of a success, and you don't care what happens, why not use it to get Travis Anheim some playoff experience? It seems mm. like a logical thing to do. Yeah. But you know, it sure does. Logical. <laughs> Ultimately, I'm just glad he's not sitting in the press box anymore. Yeah. At least. Yeah. yeah. At the very least, I'm happy about that because that's just, just like, such a waste. Yeah. Dunking on fools in the AHL. Just sitting there eating <laughs> fire shaped pretzels. No yeah. good. No, no, that's not good. They're delicious, that's, but you don't need them. No, not good for Travis Sandheim. Not good for somebody who works as hard as he does. And I know that everybody, yeah. everybody works hard to get to the NHL. Everybody works hard in the NHL. But I, I mean, I've been calling him a teacher's pet I since gonna, day one. Yeah. Like this is the guy that is last off the ice so that he could turn off the lights and pick up all the stray pucks all the time. So and unfortunately the real teacher's pet is named Andrew <clears throat> McDonald. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, gotta be a suck up in some area. I guess. To, to be, to be totally honest with you, the guy who is like by far the most, like first on the ice, last off the ice guy on the Flyers is Wheel. By far. Really? Yeah. Like almost every practice, he's one of the first two or three guys on the ice. And like generally when like when we're in the locker room after practice waiting for players to come in, you know, the guys who come out come into the locker room last who stay on the ice longest are usually like the healthy scratches like taylor lear's been out there a lot goldborn's been out there a lot like to the end of practice weiss has been out there to the end of practice a lot but regardless of whether he's in or out of the lineup wheel is always one of the last mm. like he stays out there forever well that's good yeah i mean i can see that i don't know why but it just makes a lot of sense to me it yeah. might be it's just overall hustle that he shows on the ice yeah, yeah and i, I yeah. think he knows that his place on the team is tenuous that's fair at best yeah so i mean well it took him longer in. to make the yeah. make the nhl so maybe he just feels like it could be stripped away at any mm-hmm. moment i'd like my travis sandheim is a teacher's pet narrative and you just killed that for me <laughs> i mean he so. is he is too it's just that like it's <laughs> hard it's, it's, it's harder to tell because he was scratched so much yeah, like, right. obviously he was going to stay on until the end of practice because he's trying to impress people that's true All right. So the all-star game happened this weekend. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That happened. That happened. That's a thing. Um, I watched watched the skills competition because that's fun. Um, It is fun. So Connor McDavid won the fastest boy. Although fastest it was boy. the fastest, fastest boy. boy in all the night. Fastest boy. Although it was very nearly Braden Point who was brought to the all-star game as a replacement for Victor Hedman, who was walking around dressed like a pirate with um, Eric <laughs> Carlson, Carlson yeah. all weekend. Bless. Because apparently one night they both were drinking and they were texting and they were like, we should dress as pirates. And then Victor Hedman just went and bought them. It seems like a great costumes. idea. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. Who, who hasn't done that? That's how I mean, many people end up dressed as pirates. Eric Carlson is a pirate. So it's like, yes. Yeah. And like and, that's a pirate's face. And his his quote about it was, I've always wanted to be a pirate, but my wife always dresses me as a woman for Halloween. <laughs> so I've never been I've never been able to be a pirate. Which also makes sense. Some interesting he's very things pretty. going on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's um I this is the reason that I love All Star Weekend. Like yeah. you get to see the personalities of the players and like you don't get the stupid quotes from them that you get during the season, during games. Like you just, you see them be themselves and that's fun. So, uh, Connor McDavid, fastest boy. 
Alex Petrangelo, who I didn't realize had a good face. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty I, good face. I, I, I didn't learn new things all the time. You know, I thought that I scouted the the the. You're slipping, driver. I really am. Like I thought <laughs> I scouted the NHL pretty well. He's one that I've always wanted as a flyer because I think that he's a really solid defenseman. I just didn't know that he had the face to go along with the skills. You know how to pick him. I guess. Yeah. Um, so he won the passing challenge. That's the one that Claude Giroux participated in and the one that Claude finished just behind Braden Shen. The one that better. Claude did better than Nikita Kucherov. Yes. I Nikita like Kucherov was important. last. Yeah. Worse than Braden Shen should have kept. Should have put it out there. Should have kept. Straight um, up for straight up for Yuri Laterra. I mean, that's just a crime. Why would anybody do that? <laughs> <laughs> so this challenge, it was called the passing challenge. And I've decided that's a super shitty name for that. that <laughs> it was more like the puck handling yeah, challenge. Like there was, was a lot going on in that one. There too. was a lot going on. Yeah. Right? I, like it, there were mini nets all over the place and I, I just I feel like it was just a really shitty name for that obstacle course. Yeah, because it, it used to just be like the little saucer passes into the tiny nets um, and that kind of thing. But then they, they brought in all that new stuff, those little bouncy things where they went off. Yeah, I want to talk circle. about these bouncy things. What okay. is the point of these bouncy things? I, I think I guess not... they use them for passing drills, I'm assuming. Right. But it just seems so. Like Everybody was so be... disinterested as yeah. they went through the bouncy. Yeah, bouncy thing. Like bouncy the, the thing, give and go. You've got to be yeah. able to, to <sighs> make the pass and receive the pass. Yeah. yeah. And then make the pass quickly. I mean, I, I get the point of it, but it. It was a bit of a, a letdown as far as a yeah. It just it wasn't the most exciting. And thing. then and then you had the 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 targets not like during the shooting challenge, which mm-hmm. was not. I don't even think that that was accuracy, accuracy, yeah. whatever. But they were all like some were elevated and they lit up, but yeah. they lit up at like different time intervals, and it was just so bizarre. Well, that was supposed to be ma- the the random interval thing was new this year with the lights. So they were it was supposed to you know just make it a bit more challenging. Like they because normally. With like accuracy, accuracy and all that stuff, they would just fire them in order. And so instead of letting them like fire off shots until they got it in, they're like, "No, first you shoot here, now you shoot here, now you shoot here." Just just make it harder. Um, but I mean, I I kind of liked that bit of it. I thought it was interesting. I I don't hate it. I yeah. just think for a passing challenge, like I just hate the name of the obstacle course. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate the name yeah, of it. I can see that. I hate the name of it. That's fair. I would like something different. Call it an obstacle course. <laughs> That works. I want um, a full-on obstacle course, though, if they're going to do this. Like, I, I want Pucksicle them to... Obstacle course. Obstacle course. That's great. You're welcome. I love that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I want them to just jump through tires like they do in a drill. Climb nets and, yeah, and climb fling nets. their but bodies over walls. Yeah, ice. no, yeah. I'm totally into that. Absolutely. I'm into that. Um, so then they had the save streak, which is how the NHL is making no goals fun. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> what's everyone's favorite event at the All-Star competition? Oh, oh it's, it's the breakaway. The breakaway challenge. Let's strip away all the fun from that particular event and then also make it about the goalies. And then also make it about not scoring yeah. the goals. Right. Because scoring is down, so we need to make this fun. Yeah, that, That's hockey. Right? I mean, NHL. That's NHL. the NHL. NHL. People, the people want more goals. Let's find ways to not have them. Right. So the, the save streak game was won by Marc-Andre Fleury. God bless. I know I'm allowed to like you him are, now, but I'm very it's apprehensive. Okay no, he's no, I'm, fucking I'm great. very apprehensive. Spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh. He, he was the, like that Pittsburgh stink does not come off. You. He was the only one having fun during that competition. And he seems like I just can't get over that. He yells, you're not going to fucking score when people are coming down <laughs> on him. Like, it's, it's a, like yes, it was in the, um, 
not 24 it might have been 24 7 or the one that came after it the replacement 24 7 when the penguins were in the, um, oh, the winter class who cares documentary yeah where they they someone was quoted as saying that like when you get a breakaway on him he's yelling at you like you're not gonna fucking score oh and like in a stupid french accent and it's amazing like oh i love God. him i love that accent for the record Thank that you, was you're fantastic it was very authentic uh, i'm actually, all in on mark andre i'm all in on flurry now too because i have a, a co-worker i talked to him uh, talk about him on the fly purple cast uh I, I refer to him as pittsburgh steve because he's the other steve and he loves the penguins but uh he loves flurry and he is just so broken up about flurry not being a penguin anymore <laughs> oh that makes it, it better doesn't it? every day so oh. uh for instance when flurry beat the penguins earlier this season i left a picture of flurry on his desk saying miss me oh that's nice. he did not appreciate that no i'm sure he didn't i loved it i see i'm a brand new vegas golden knights fan so i i know that i'm allowed to like him i'm just i'm so apprehensive he's a sweet boy i think i don't know the pittsburgh stink it, and he got rid but of he's not the packs. fastest boy no, no, he's not the fastest boy. He got rid of the soul patch. It's which was true. egregious. So because that, he yeah. was in Pittsburgh. He finally yeah. left the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the puck control relay was won by Johnny Hockey. That I thought was kind of a fun event. That, the new things that they added to that were sort of fun. Yeah, that was also an obstacle course. A little bit, yeah. Where they had to get the, the puck weird through, through holes and like... You know, five feet off the ground. Wait, was it Carlson who just picked up the puck and was yeah, throwing it? They through. were just no. They were there just are like a few of them picking it up and placing it on their stick and then putting it through yeah. the hole. And still, even so, some of them couldn't manage yeah. to like put it on their stick and put it through the hole. It's pretty funny. For I, the record, I made it about halfway through the skills competition, but the favorite moment I saw was uh, when Subban th- straight up threw his glove. Oh glove yeah, course. that was amazing. That was during the um, the save streak. Yeah, when when Subban PK Subban, one of the <laughs> only people him. who just. Insists on having fun at all yeah. times. Yeah. At all times, and and Hank didn't even like didn't even flinch. Didn't even flinch. Like, didn't even didn't go for it at all. Like didn't no. didn't glance at at the glove. Nope. Like was so focused on PK. Like you asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the hardest shot. This one I thought was very interesting because in the years past, it's been the big defenseman. Yeah, and, always a defenseman, and none of them made the All Star game this year. Right. Shara Weber usually right. up there. Yeah. Right. None of them made the all-star game, which also makes me giggle. Yeah. Oh, and on the inside and also on the outside. 14-year flyer Shea Weber. Right. Right. Um, the hardest shot goes to Alexander Ovechkin. He was the only one to break 100 miles per hour this year. Yeah, he wailed on the thing. I was glad he did, though. I was little, I was going to be a little bit disappointed if they won this year with like 94 miles an hour yeah well both of his even if he had gotten in on his first shot yeah he still he still would have won mm-hmm. but it, it hadn't broken 100 miles per hour so good job ov who i really like i really like him as he a person during the very, all-star very weekend fun. yeah um then accuracy shooting so brock besser beat brian boyle because goddamn millennials alliteration seriously so much alliteration yeah so much (laughs) goddamn millennials you couldn't let you couldn't let brian boyle who has leukemia whose son who just went through a cancer scare you couldn't you couldn't let him have the accuracy shooting you had to go and and beat brian boyle brock Brock besser Besser doesn't quit that's what everyone says about him everyone knows that brock besser doesn't quit okay But what I really want to talk about for this accuracy shooting. So this was oh boy. this was when they had the targets that yeah. lit up at random. Mm-hmm. They stopped the timer for Sidney Crosby long before he hit the final target. But they but what I and I know they did. But when they stopped it, it was like his time was well past. Like it right. wasn't like they stopped it and like 
Oh, he's now he's third oh, place he won. now. Yeah. No. Like, no, like he, they stopped it at like 15, 29 or something, right. which was like well above anybody else's time. Well, well, the, no, he, time was, he, he ended like fourth. Did he? Yeah. I thought he was like, and, and he's still, no, no, no. Um, he, he, you know, because it's the NHL, Sidney Crosby can't be last. They stopped it at 15 seconds. Well, what happened was, because I, I was, at first I was confused, but what happened was because like, you know how the, the lights were bouncing yeah. from one on one. So the one corner lit up and then it, it like, as he was shooting, it switched, and he hit that target. And I think what it was was that the NHL clearly didn't have their their wires crossed correctly, mm. so they gave him credit for hitting that one, even though when he hit it, it wasn't lit up anymore. Mm. Because that's conspiracy. Like, so it's literally just mm. that the NHL didn't do do a good enough job, like <laughs> ma- managing their their electronics they created so, for this. This also sounds so great. NHL. So you know what my favorite part about this competition is? Please tell me. So, um, if you didn't watch for the crowd that was there in Tampa ahead of each of these events, they had someone from the women's national team kind of demo what these guys were supposed to be doing during these events. And Hillary Knight demoed the accuracy shooting and she would have been third. Really? Yep. If she, if oh, her time is, had counted, she would have been third. Like she crushed it. I did find it funny when uh, our own Brad Keffer posted like, like, ideal fourth line and you put like knight lawton somebody else and then he, then he then like immediately after he's like by the way i didn't mean corbin knight i meant hillary knight <laughs> important distinction yeah, important very distinction. important distinction that is important oh i'm good that makes me happy um so i did not watch the actual all-star game i watched some of it towards the end because i wanted to see austin matthews but I started watching the intros and fell asleep. Mm, Ooh, mm. They were lengthy and so boring. long, so long. But I know that Kelly did watch the All Star. I sure game, did. So tell me about it. Every please. last second of it. So first of all, I'm not sure who was responsible for the jerseys this season, but oh my. somebody that should get fired. Those Pacific Division mm-hmm. outfits with the white pants were something else, but that's not important. What is important is that Claude Giroux. Looked pretty good during his games. He scored a breakaway goal, which was nice. Um, He at one point got caught on a two-on-one. That was kind of hilarious because he had absolutely no chance. I forget who it was. I think it was two of the uh, Tampa Bay guys. But um, what I found interesting was that the Western Conference, which I think people often think of as more of like the run-and-gun conference, uh, their game ended one nothing. Hmm. And it was That's kind of a crashing bore. Weird. Yeah. And then the the Eastern Conference teams scored a shit ton of goals and were very exciting and fun. Yeah. I didn't pay much attention to the actual final game because Drew was out of it. But um, I mean, I really like this format a lot. I think it's one of the best things the NHL has done. I think the three on three format is fun. I think the the little mini tournament format is fun. Um, it gives you a chance to see a lot of guys play and you get to see it's fun to watch Western conference players against Western conference players and then see the matchup against the East. I really enjoy it. Um, and I kind of wish more people watched it because I think it gets a bad rap. And I think if you settle into it, it's kind of fun. It was, and I know nobody cares. I mean, but, I wasn't home. Yeah. that's fair. So like I turned it on when I got Who home and cares? it was just like, uh, I'm kidding. I, I just, I Am couldn't. I? So they didn't have, um, Lundquist playing for the Metro. They did not. They had Braden Holpe playing. Well, they switched. Did they? Yeah, yeah, it was like two periods, right? Yeah, first period at Lundquist played, and then second period Holby and Holby well, and Holby blew it. Yo, Hol- blew it big time. Holby was in, in playoff condition. He sure was playoff and form. It was yeah, bad. rare form. It was should have been bad. Brian Elliott. Probably. Yeah, right. He would have been better. He well, he he thinks he's earned it this so year. So here's the thing, though. Year. So yeah. here's the thing about Brian Elliott. 
if you want to like make the joke. He would have gotten in there and he would have given a shit and probably would have played oh, lights yeah. out. That's because actually there was, very true. There was a lot of guys you could tell didn't really give a shit. They were just kind of there. And Holtby probably didn't give a shit. And if, you know, a guy like Brian Elliott gets into the all-star game, he's going to play. And he, he might have crushed it. Which is, you know, Wayne why we Simmons. can't have it. We're not allowed to have any fun anymore, so we'll never see that kind of thing. But <laughs> no. Wayne Simmons yeah. last year, for your example. He, right, yeah. He gave a shit and crushed it. Yeah. crushed it. Killed it. I do not remember. And he's also the also, man. Also, just one comment, because I thought a lot about this today. Does anybody else think it's really weird that they win money? No. I think it's weird. Yeah, a little. little. I mean, they're like incredibly highly paid athletes. It just seems right. like weird they're, to me. They're the I assume they're all going to charity, though, right? Well, athletes. here's the thing I, I don't think that they're paid what they should be paid. But like the lowest paid among them makes eight hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. They're doing all right. So I don't think that it's weird that they're paid. I think it's weird that they're paid and it's flaunted. Yeah, it's like a weird like they're presenting a giant one million dollar check to players on many, many millions of dollars contracts. <laughs> to, to it's OB, like a weird OV foundation for yeah. OV. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, I, I don't know. Just find it. It's just like a strange thing to me. And like, it's, it's like Brock Besser won this much and this much and this much and, and this a car. much and this much and a car all for one weekend. Like, great. Brock Besser's <laughs> making one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars this I, I season. And he's going to get bonuses and, and shit now. Like, it's like it's, it's just I don't know. I, I personally find it weird. That's I mean, that, it's, it's probably just in the CBA. What, what would be neat, though, um, and they would never do it, I'm sure. But what would be neat would be like if they had some comp like contest prior to the All-Star game or like basically like a lottery and fans could enter. And like every fan got like locked in with a player. Oh, like, that'd be great. And like if that cool. if that player like won MVP, that fan gets like fifty thousand bucks or something. Oh well, no, you know you can't do that because then everyone will compete. Yep. Like the, now the NHL players will actually give a shit because and that would be fun and then I would watch well, it. Right, but <laughs> right. you can't have fun. But oh. you cannot have fun in this league. I almost forgot the most important thing. Oh, there was a motherfucking offsides challenge in the All Star game. Oh my god, I yeah, saw there that. Was. I did see that. Oh, they called back a goal in the All Star game. Like it was peak NHL. It could not have gotten any better. I, okay, I, I no, know it was Jack Eichel who it. had his goal which, called back. Which coach made the challenge? It was in the final game, I think. Who was coaching the uh, the Western Conference team? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The Pacific team. A jerk. Uh, I don't jerk remember coach. either. I don't know. That's who so, it was. But I mean, the but only, Jack Eichel doesn't deserve a goal anyway. So the only thing that was good about it was that a Wes McCauley is an absolute treasure and made another wonderful Wes McCauley call when he called back the goal, and then uh, Eichel scored again. And him and Austin Matthews did the point at the goal <laughs> thing, and it was pretty wonderful. I don't want them to be friends. <laughs> Two things. Uh, Wes McCauley call sounds very close to McCauley Calkin. And <laughs> <laughs> number two is uh, if you're going to go for the money thing, you know, go the other direction and just go over the top and just have a money counter at the bottom and just make it ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh, Brock Besser's up to a million dollars. Yeah. Cha-ching. Yeah. It's it's just weird. Oh, it's, yeah. It's very it's weird. weird. Taylor, do they give out money in the NBA All-Star game? No. Right? No. Yeah. Because they already have lots of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually fair. they already have lots of money it's just weird to me uh, anywho it, it, i don't it, i just feel like it should be a charity thing if you're going to give yeah, out money that's my thing like yeah it, it yeah. seems very simple but like you each, know nhl each conference sponsors a charity and like if the eastern conference wins puppy dogs if the western conference wins oh my god did you see all the ladies. puppies oh my god it was amazing oh my god there were so many puppies. every single time like every single time the, more puppies the guys noticed that the puppies were there their faces they're just, just like lit up there's there's puppies? an entire so 
Brock Besser apparently adopted one of the puppies. Did he really? Yeah, he did. Oh my god, as if this tiny child could get any more perfect. <laughs> so we got money, a car, and a puppy. And a puppy. Yeah. It was a good weekend. That's for a him. great weekend. That is a good weekend, Brock Besser. Oh my god. All right, we should probably get um, to the mailbag. There was there's an entire series on YouTube called <clears throat> Puppies and Pucks. And oh? it's it's all it's all about when they brought out the puppies to the NHL All-Stars. And our our good friend friend of the show Cole showed me this. I believe it was Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was Austin Matthews with the puppies and it it's just perfection. All right, so we did a mailbag. And we got a lot of questions. So really I'm just, good ones too. Thanks, a lot fam. of really good questions. Yeah. So I'm going to apologize ahead of time. There's no way we're going to be able to get to every single one. Maybe. But we're going to try really hard. Yeah. Rapid fire. We're going to try really hard. So from Sean R. Moore, he's got a two-part question. What do your ideal deep hairs look like in a hackless vacuum? I.e. Manning isn't a top four de- defenseman. Manning isn't a staple, etc. Um, well, that was AMAC. I don't know what I said. I don't think I said that. The Manning twice. Yeah. AMAC <laughs> isn't a top four defenseman. Manning I like the same guy. It's fine. Yeah. You know, you, you know what I was saying. Anyway. Minus a few mil. <laughs> I love the ghost Proby pairing, but you're left with only one possible okay pair. Whatever one has Gudis can only use guys in the organization. And then the same question, but with hacks. So the ideal D pairs knowing AMAC and Manning won't leave the lineup. And if you can stand it, AMAC gets top four minutes. Um, so I'm going to let Charlie answer because I very much enjoy his deep pairings. <laughs> I think they're perfect, actually. So, uh, okay. So ideal pairings, assuming that Hack doesn't have his stamp on the team, I would say Provorov, Ghost, Sanheim, Gudis, Haig, and then I will throw Myers in. Yes! There. I don't know. Uh, granted, like the, the unfair part about this is like I legitimately don't know if Myers is ready. He is ready! From like a physical standpoint or anything like that. But he's, from a, he's hurt still. From a, No, he's No, back. he's better. He's just kidding now. he's fine but <laughs> like i i could buy it if like ron hexall tells me like you can't have myers because he's not physically ready for that i'm like okay i, I can understand that but this is the that this is the top six that i want next year oh my god and i want and i want moran as the seven and i <sighs> want and i want moran and Hague to like basically you know depending rotate, on the matchup yeah. like rotate it and now that is that would be my ideal pairing seven defensemen for next season fire andrew mcdonald into the sun don't re-sign brandon manning there we go we all have fun. charlie o'connor for coach 2k19 <laughs> absolutely not his the hague hate is just reaching critical levels at this point it's, i don't think it's hate he's saying no, it's, that it's he's hate. a solid he's a good third pairing defenseman. no he's but, saying that he's a seven no he's saying no, more I, time no, depending I, on I, matchup i i have hague over moran yeah. I'm actually saying Moran is a seven. <laughs> um, Hateration. The, the interesting spot. thing, though, is, is this idea of like, what are the ideal pairings with Hack? And then we're we're basically saying like, okay, Amac has to be in the top four, and then Manning has to play. And like, I don't know because then you get into the question of is it so, is it more optimal if you if you take those you know those prerequisites? Okay, is it, is it more optimal to split up Provi and Ghost? As fun. I as was that thinking pairing? that actually, if you put as much as I hate it, Amac back with Provorov because that pairing wasn't a tire God. fire at the beginning of the season. It does hurt to think about but, that. But then, it's not but then great, but Andrew McDonald have, gets 25 minutes a I night. I don't love it, but if you have to put him somewhere, that seemed to not be as atrocious as other Andrew McDonald iterations that we've seen See, over I, the course of the I If you have to give someone an anchor, why not give it to the strongest person? Because I would rather have Ghost and Provorov on the ice 30 minutes a night 
than uh, yeah i mean than andrew mcdonald spend any more than well then where do you put him fair. the second i'd put him on the second pairing Son. with whom gudis mm. Yeah, that would be interesting. A Gudis McDonald the Gudis McDonald pairing is one they've never really tried. Yeah. And it would be interesting because like Gudis is Gudis generally inflates people's advanced stats and McDonald <laughs> deflates them. Yeah. So like maybe they kind of meet in the middle somewhere. <laughs> or maybe it's a total disaster. Um I know by the numbers looking at like the way that the Prover off McDonald and then uh like Ghost Haig, whatnot, I think the numbers would imply, at least this year, and this is you know not the largest samples, but that Provorov Haig has worked better than Provorov McDonald and Ghost McDonald was working okay this year. So I think like if if that if it if it can't be Ghost Provorov together, I think I would go Provorov Haig Ghost McDonald, I think. Hmm. I think Ghost has gotten better enough in the defensive zone that he can survive being in the defensive zone a lot, which he is with McDonald because McDonald, you know, concedes the blue line with ease. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Gudis, the Gudis McDonald pairing is interesting. You know, moving, moving Gudis up in place of Haig, I guess. Yeah. And then, and then I guess the third pairing would be Haig and Manning. Manning. I guess. That yeah. just makes me want to die. Yeah, that, <laughs> I don't like this question. That's saddening. No, that makes me want to die. I mean, my <laughs> ideal, my ideal deep hairs in in a hackless vacuum would be Provorov, Ghost, Sanheim, Moran, mm. um, and then Haig and Gudis. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, the prop, the Haig Gudis pairing is a little bit scary. Yeah, I don't love that because no one but, can move the puck. Yeah, but maybe it would work. Who knows? Maybe maybe Hag will step up maybe. because because Hack isn't telling him that he's not allowed to move the puck maybe. because Hack doesn't exist in this <laughs> version of reality. <laughs> I'm 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 completely convinced that Robert Hag will be a different player away from Dave Hackstall. It's possible. You probably aren't wrong. They would all probably be be better players away yeah. from Dave Hackstall. But I think that he would be a different guy. Yeah. Um. All right. Did we all? Yeah, I think we, we I think all, we got, all got, got our. I think we're good on that one. All right, so this is from Chris Kringle, 1977. Since Moran may not be waiver exempt next year, he's not. Yeah, I, b- I believe he's definitely. Not I don't waiver think he is. Next year. Um, if he doesn't make the team out of next training camp, would should Hextall trade him? Can't imagine he's any worse than Amac. So I'll answer this first. Okay. Um, he needs to make the team out of training camp next year. Like he he needs to. Period. Yeah, so I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what other situation. Like he, this is the Scott Lawton situation for him. I mean, pretty much. I mean, because if if he doesn't, then I, I mean, I don't know. I I guess they would have to trade him. I mean, I kind of. So, uh, admittedly, having always been low on Sam Moran, um. I would have headed into this year thinking that perhaps they should try to move him because I think that a big D prospect could probably get you some value someplace. Um, a high pick could probably get something for that. But that would have been predicated on the idea that I didn't think he was going to crack this lineup at all. But then they called him up when I thought for sure they were going to call up Mark Alden. The only reason he didn't play is because he was hurt. So now I'm a little bit like maybe this team does want him up here, but they just don't have a spot yet. But then again, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, I mean, like Charlie said, if his ceiling is a seven, 
I mean, I don't think it's. I, mean, I, I think that's think a ceiling. Well, I, I just think I with think the, with the guys they I think a ceiling have. is a third pairing. No, I don't it could at be all. Second, I, I if think, everything breaks right. Yeah, I think that he's could five. a three, a, five, a, five. a four, maybe. I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want him driving a pair, but I can no. see him as a four. Yeah, I don't know. I've just never been super high on him, and I think that if you test the waters and you can get something for him, I would do it. But I don't think that they will. I think that people that are super low on Sam Moran are out of their minds. Thank you, Stephanie. Like I'm, I, I like I, I honestly don't know where you're coming from when you say his ceiling is a seven. Like I just don't get it. I've always thought that he would end up a third pair defenseman. But like, is that bad? No, it's not bad, but it's also not super great, and it's also super replaceable. I think. I don't think that. I mean, he's six foot seven. He's a big boy. That's not replaceable. You you can't replace that. When when we're talking, but that when we're talking PK specialists, like that's what he is. Because I mean, no we, one we, is we getting hope. around him. We hope. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, in we've the seen it in the I mean, AHL. Yeah, because they won't fucking play him up here. <laughs> right. I mean, no, they... I, I just, I think that, I think honestly, with the way this question's worded, like all I can really say is yes. You know, if, if he does not make the team next year, then yes, I think they probably should trade him. The question is, what would they get for him? You right. Know, this, this is he's not really going to go that out point... on a limb for a guy who's not going to make the roster at that point, who's, you know, at the age he is. Uh, the experience he has playing in the AHL, not making an, 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 an NHL roster at this point, what's the value? Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting question to me is if he doesn't make the roster next year, like let's assume he doesn't play at all on the team this year, mm-hmm. and then he goes in camp and doesn't make the roster next year, maybe Myers beats him out for the last spot. Does he clear waivers? Like, he might. And yet, like, yes, he's a former top 15 pick. Yes, he's 6'7", and there might be somebody who's interested. But you remember that, like, at the end of camp, everyone's trying to, f- to fit their roster into place like maybe he does clear i don't i, I don't know because i'm trying again, to, you're going through like three years of him not making the team well i'm trying to actually remember and i'm sure that you remember it better than i do namita's article about defensemen the timeline for defensemen making the nhl that was namita right yeah yeah, that. yeah and i think that there was an issue wasn't her conclusion that he is taking longer than he ought to be taking her conclusion was basically that if he made the team this year it was like okay, okay but past this year it starts to get concerning right and i think at that time at the time the article was published everyone just assumed he was going to make the team right then that didn't happen and now things i, I just i the, the one reason why i wouldn't necessarily have a problem with them moving him is just because like now that Hague has established a place in the lineup mm-hmm. and like i don't think he's going anywhere like mm-hmm. I think he's just in this lineup for the foreseeable future and i'm talking years you know whatever mm-hmm. role that is i'm not sure like now like moran got jumped by Haig because they were drafted in the same year they're both like more defensively oriented guys and now moran has to carve out a spot aside from the spot that Haig has already carved out and that makes it tougher for him because you got guys like myers you know i would love to just find a way to get rid of Andrew McDonald and park him in the AHL, but the the, the franchise clearly has no yeah. interest in doing that. So you assume that he's going to be here. I don't know. I, I, I'm actually, I made this point in a couple of my athletic articles. Like, the only way I really see Moran finding a spot is if they trade Gudis. And if they don't trade Gudis, I don't know where his spot is with this team for the next couple of years. And if you've parked him in the AHL for another two years, then what is he? Then is he a Mark Alt? Yeah. Yeah. Except not as dumb. um but the second part of that can't imagine he's any worse than amac no he's he's definitely not he's definitely not certainly hope he's not 
He's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So also from Chris, with Philpola probably not coming back next year, who's the most likely replacement? And then he gives us options. Vorobiov, Vecchioni, a veteran UFA, or Tavares. Highly, un- <laughs> highly mean, unlikely, but possible. I mean, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah right. I, I'd, I'd like that. that. <laughs> that'd be good. I mean, bring me, real nice. bring me a John Tavares. I'll take one. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 Tavares, I do... Giroux, Konechny, twist my arm. Yeah. I do like the optimism here when he says with Philpola probably not coming back because like I'm still like worried that they're going to bring him back. Mm -hmm. I hope they don't, but I'm worried they will. The interesting question part about this, I think there's two things that I want to point out. Number one, like the idea of if it's Vecchioni, that would imply that Lawton goes up to 3C. And not that I would necessarily have a problem with that, but yeah. I, I don't think Vecchioni comes in and is the 3C. I think Vecchioni comes in and is the 4C, 4C. Yeah. and then Lawton gets bumped up. But in addition to that, the one point I do want to make here, and, and just a guy who wasn't mentioned in the possibilities. So it's worth noting that Travis Konechny in his draft plus one season, year after his draft year, had 101 points in 60 games for a 1.68 point per game rate. Morgan Frost in his draft plus one year has 79 points in 47 games for the exact same point per game rate. Charlie, I'm liking what you're putting So down. like maybe we can't rule out yes. the possibility of Morgan F- Frost 3C next year. I'm into it. Not that it's like a guarantee by any means, but like if Konechny made it, it's possible that Frost beats out Vorobia for that spot. He's and definitely more offensively skilled. Jordan Wheel plays some center also. I don't. I don't think I don't they're going to. It's not ideal, but I, you know, I'm just we're throwing all the options on the yeah. table. Yeah, yeah. I don't think throwing that, stuff. I um, doubt it will happen. Wade but. Allison's a wing, right? He's a wing. Yeah. Yeah. He's a right. Um, I am terrified that they'll bring Philpola back, but even more than that, I'm terrified they're going to bring Manning back. Like I'm, I'm convinced that they're going to resign. I wouldn't have doubted it at all. Like, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that they're going to. And Ron I think is going to Manning's have the, actually more likely than Philpula. I'm convinced that it's going to happen with, and I think that Ron Hextall's intention is going to be it's a cheap seven. Yep. But then he's not going to be used as a seven. Exactly. Because that's the Dave Hextall is out of his goddamn mind, <laughs> and he won't say anything to his precious coach. No. About his terrible decision. Yeah. But, like if you could guarantee that Brandon Manning was going to be used only as the seven, I wouldn't be like. I would still not like it, but I wouldn't be horrified. Yeah. But he won't. Because the guy you he want won't. sitting he's on is a guy te- like Brandon Mann. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If he's Just on the team, guy. he's going to play him 70 games. Yep. Yep. He's shown that this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I hate him. Um, <laughs> I want a John Tavares. I actually, I like the idea of Morgan Frost making the team. I'm into it. I don't. So the other option that isn't listed here is German Rubsov, who I think. The germ? Nope. Thank you for doing. We don't, we don't say the that germ. on this show. Absolutely not. You're fired. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Um I don't want him on in the NHL next year. Ripsaw, I don't want to off in the NHL. I want him in the AHL. I want him with some stability. I just find it tough that like, cause, I mean, sure, Ripsaw will because he will turn pro next year. He's yeah. 20 years old. He can turn pro. I'm sure he will be like nominally in the race for that spot i just find it hard to believe that he would beat out verobia because verobia had will have spent a full year in the ahl he spent some time in the khl more time than than rubes off there so had like little burst step there yep. but it's just and, and and plus verobia is more physically ready for the next step than rubes is i just find it hard to believe and it's not like rubes is 
is killing it offensively in the queue. So it's not as if he really brings that like, well, yeah, Vorobiev is more NHL ready, but Rubsov has so much more upside. Like, I don't know what Rubsov upside is. I think Rubsov is an NHL player. I just don't, I don't know what his upside is. Yeah, and, and that's been tough. And I mentioned that if you've been keeping up with our, our 25 under 25, um, I did mention that he's just, in the past two years, he's just jumped around a lot. Mm-hmm. He needs... He needs to stay somewhere, and I, I want him in the AHL next year. Like I'm not even convinced Ripsoff is a center in the NHL. Okay. I, I I think he might be a wing. Okay. I don't hate that. Yeah, I mean, I, we need some th- of those. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, in the end, they have enough centers with Couturier, Patrick. I mean, they could even theoretically, I don't know if they will, but they could theoretically move Giroux back to center. Like, that's well, an option. Well, crazy So, like, that, 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 <laughs> like, but seriously, that's another option. Here. Yeah, you know, absolutely. If you're talking about, you know, who's the 3C, I mean, maybe... You just say my three centers are Sean Gatorier, Claude Giroux, and Nolan Patrick, and then we're done. Like, that's also an option. I don't know if it's necessarily something they would do, but it is an option. Yeah. All right. So one more from Chris. Hackstall's usage of forwards and defense has frustrated the fan base, more so on the defensive side. What's a realistic level of concern we should have about his eventual handling of Carter Hart? Hi. That's my response too. The answer is very high. So like we've seen what he does to goalies and yeah. how he just runs them into the ground. It's scary. And we've also seen how little trust he has in young goalies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or goalies that made one save or, or missed one save that they should have had and then they don't see the ice for another 20 games. It's um not good, folks. Yeah, I would rank my level of concern regarding like I, I i'm the least concerned about his handling of forwards like i do think given time he figures out who the good forwards are and the bad forwards are and puts them in the right places in general um men's defense and goaltending and i think like i focus more on the defense being a problem just because they're kids on the defense and yeah. I'm, i wanted them to be developed properly He's his handling of goaltending has been, been bad, but Very it bad. just hasn't mattered that much to me right. because like I haven't been that <clears throat> invested in the success of any of the goaltenders the Flyers have. They it's haven't hard really to, had a prospect. Yeah, the thing, yeah. under Hackstall. Yeah, the, the thing it's been Steve Mason, Brian Elliott, Michael Neuverth, and I mean when a kid has come up, he hasn't given him a chance, which I don't agree with. But uh, that's concerning, though. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think that's more just hack. Like, well. Got to win whatever I can, or I'm getting canned any day now. And to be fair, it's not like the kids they've brought up have been that good. Yeah, I'm not right, super right. interested in seeing Alex Lyon getting any NHL starts right well, now. Stolars should have gotten a, a better shot. Agree. Here. Agree. Yeah. He, he when he had to play, he did really well. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. totally fair. And, and I'm not like it's it's concerning to me of this idea that like, well, you're young and you're goalie, so I'm not going to play you that much. But like Stolars was never a prospect on the same level as Carter Hart. No, absolutely So, not. you know, maybe there's a different set of rules for Carter Hart, just like when he's there, just like there's been a different set of rules for Nolan Patrick versus even Travis Konechny yep. from last year. Yeah, there has. Right. Like, I, I there would clearly say, are. I mean, I'm not that worried about it just because I don't, I don't see a precedent. I really just don't know what to yeah. think. Right. I don't know if there is a worry or if, I don't know. I have one no idea. Ho- well, I mean, one hopes that Ron Hextall, given that he's a goalie, and that Carter Hart is as good as he is would step in if he sees. I don't his, think that he would. I know. I'm I mean, just I, I know. I know. There's hope there. I but hope. I, I would I, hope. I don't but... think that Ron Hextall is willing to say anything to his coach at all during the season. Yeah. Like I don't even think that they have meetings. Like I just don't think they, they definitely have meetings. I'm, I just... Ma- I'm just making <laughs> stuff up. I don't. Think it's hyperbole. It's hyperbole. Hyperbole. 
Finally, hey, folks. That's the name of my show. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I think the the one uh, not wild card, but kind of blind spot that we all have because we're all not really sure how how Hackstall would develop a, a blue chip goalie prospect. But we also don't know is how Hextall would. Mm. Like I have no idea when he's going to deem Carter Hart NHL ready. Oh, like it could God. be four years down the road because they were as as patient as he is with skaters, maybe he's doubly patient with goalies. Oh God. Yeah, who knows? Get we his don't, first start when we he's don't 45 know. years old. Yeah, like we don't know. I mean he could be he could say that Hart's ready at age twenty or he could we could still be waiting and Hart's twenty three after three years oh, in the NHL. Like it's plausible. I'll be dead by then. We'll all be dead. Jeez. Send the nukes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So this is from the Blue Raja, who's our friend Brian. Um, how does the gang feel about the offside challenge? Oh, boy. Should they get rid of it or change how and when the coaches can use it? It's Kill garbage. It with fire. It's garbage. It's utter garbage. I don't have an opinion on this, which I know... <laughs> is so, wildly unheard of especially when talking about me but i'm very rules oriented so if it's a rule like okay I, fair I understand then that's what it is however i hate it the, when we're talking about for example 53 seconds before a goal is scored someone goes off sides but only technically off sides because their back skate was a quarter of an inch off the ice and we're calling back a goal that's absurd. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. It's absurd. And I think it was Biscuits. You probably know this mm-hmm. because this is where I absorb all of my thoughts as other people's thoughts. <laughs> that they said that if it's a if it's something that's never called on the ice apart from the challenge, it shouldn't be something that's called in the challenge. A, a player is never called offside by a ref because his skate is up in the air. It literally never happens because it's stupid. It doesn't even make any it sense. It happens too fast. And if... and. Again, this league has been saying for years that it needs to find a way to get more goals. So why are we finding more and more creative ways to take away goals? It's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And it kills the excitement level. Like you're celebrating this goal, this awesome goal, and then wait a minute, you got to spend five minutes reviewing whether a skate was a fraction of an inch offside, and you're just, oh my god, I want to die. And then you flip the channel and you never watch again. Right. So the, the two changes I would make to the offside challenge. I don't hate the offside challenge in and of itself because I just you know what it is. I guess I go back to the uh the the which is something i wasn't alive for but the leon stickle thing mm. in the in the flyers islander series where like they blew such an obvious offsides call and you know flyers fans still complain about it to this day that it was that was what law basically lost them the final game um the two changes i would make right off the bat number one the it, it doesn't matter if the skate's off the ice or not if the, skate, if the skate's yes. off the ice but it's but it's in line it's kind of like the whole like crossing the plane thing in football yes you know you don't have to actually touch the ball on the ground i thought that was part of the rule what do you mean the, the skate being in the air no no if it's in the air you have to be you have to be on the ice for it to be uh for it to be onside okay. so right I, so if that's in the rule if now? that's written in the rule then yeah. the rule needs to be rewritten so i oh yeah well, that's what i'm saying yeah. i would i would change the rule yeah exactly number two and this is something i brought up a couple times uh maybe on one of our shows but i would change the offside I, I would make it so you're not allowed to challenge offsides if a certain amount of time was spent in the offensive zone after entry. Because the way I look at it is like if if there's a borderline offsides call and then the team that enters the zone sets up in the offensive zone and spends, you know, 15 seconds cycling or whatever, you know what? It's on the other team 
to have gotten yeah, the puck get the back puck. from. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I would want to challenge an offsides call on like a rush play because like bang, bang, entry, goal, okay, I want I want that to be reviewed. Yeah. But like if you let the other team set up in the offense zone for 25 seconds, you deserve to be scored on. And most of them are <laughs> like that. Like yeah. most of them are where the offside in question had absolutely no bearing on whether or not exactly. the goal was scored exactly. at all. Aside so from the entry. Itself. It's just technical and it's like incrementally technical. Like it's very, very stupid to find this kind of tiny little thing to take a goal away for. It's not good for the game. It's not good for anybody. Nobody has fun watching it anymore. It's stupid. Thank you. And good night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, From Drew Meyer Hockey, theoretically, when should that Frost character be here? We kind of answered this one. We did. Yeah. That Frost character. Charlie has determined that the answer is next year. Very whimsical way. No other answers will be accepted. Well, I I mean, I think in my mind, like (laughs) next year is what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that he's ready. It's hard for me to imagine him not being in the NHL by the following year. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my answer. I don't think he spends time in the AHL. I hope not. I, I think he either he either he goes back to June. Well, he either goes. Well, oh, next year he would have he to. He would have to. But then the following year would either be AHL or NHL. I think he makes the NHL team yeah. at latest at age twenty. Okay, that's what I think. I'm into it. I'm into that too. Fuck it. Let's have him next year. <laughs> Let's do it. Um. Okay. From at J Plaza J E Plaza fourteen. At this point in their respective tenures with the team, based on what they have done to this point, who do you have more concern about going forward? Ron Hextall is the GM or Dave Hextall is the coach? Ron. You have more concern about Ron? I absolutely do. Because Ron is in charge of this whole thing. Interesting. I have a lot of concern about Dave Hextall, but guess who can make that concern go away instantly? Ron. Ron, and Ron's not doing it. Ron's not doing it. And also, Ron, I'm... I have a big problem with the Sanheim thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've said in the past, Ron has some questionable abilities when it comes to evaluating NHL talent. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really wanted Ron Hextall to be the lord and savior of this hockey club. And at this point, I'm very unsure that that's the thing that's happening. I my gut reaction like the, I was just going to come out swinging and say Dave Hackstall, but you have made me stop breathing and given me pause. And, and I, I mean, I think you're right um, hey. because Dave Hackstall is the problem that I'm seeing right now. Mm-hmm. But the person that can make that go away is refusing to do that. Yep. And not even just make it go away, but like refusing to in any way engage in some kind of like problem solving. If you, Ron Hextall, which you have confirmed through your public comments, think that Travis Sanheim should be on this team, then you need to make Travis Sanheim be on this team, particularly because you can see with your eyeballs that he's sitting in favor of less talented players. I'm not saying that you have to force your will onto your coach at all times, but I think that there should at least be a, hey, Dave, what are you doing discussion? And it seems that he's unwilling to even have that, which I think is a problem. Yeah, see, I'm definitely on the, like, I'm far more concerned about Dave Hexel than Ron Hexel. And that's just because, like, I'm fairly, I, I'm pretty sure that Dave Hextall, I'm fairly confident Dave Hextall is not a great coach. I'm unsure whether he's mediocre or bad, but I, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that he's not, like, a guy who elevates his team Mm-mm. to new levels. Whereas with Ron, I don't know. Like, Ron has done a lot of good things. He's done some bad things, but it seems like all of the bad things are related to the coach who we clearly have already decided is bad. So I don't know how we can say that we have more confidence in 
Dave Hackstall when all of the problems with Ron Hexel are related to Dave well, Hackstall? Well, no, that wasn't the question. I do not have more confidence in Dave Hackstall. I have more concern going forward about Ron because Ron could fix this problem tomorrow if he wanted to. Well, but so could Dave Haxel by becoming a better coach. Well, well I don't think he knows how, Charlie. Well, but that, well, that, 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 well that's my point, though. Then he, then I have to be more concerned about the guy who I don't think can be better. I'll but say someone this about can Ron. fix that problem. <laughs> I'll say this about Ron. I mean, after Paul Holmgren for that long, Ron is basically the anti-Paul Holmgren. And I mean, yes. That, for me, is such a breath of fresh air. Why don't you there's set a lower never, bar, Steve? There's never been but a... Ken G- Holland. Well, let's look at all the GMs <laughs> in Flyers history, pretty much. I mean, you look at Bobby Clark and the decisions he made. I mean, there's not been a patient GM in Flyers history, really. Uh, maybe at the beginning of the franchise, but not since then. So, but for I me, Ron is a breath of fresh I air. I trust the have, process. There we go. We've swung too far in the other direction. Yeah. I think. <laughs> it, it, an overcorrection. Like, yeah, like we went all the yeah, way over here he where we could have just, you know, stopped right in the middle. But we've swung all I'm the way to crazy. The dang process. <laughs> we've swung all, right. all the way to crazy town. There's, there's a lot of good things that I think get kind of tossed out the window with our current frustration. There's a lot of good things that Ron Hexall has done as GM. Yeah. And would you say that this is trade. a negative echo chamber, Charles? <laughs> like the Flyers are in a position where they were all of the um, in with that sliver of positivity. That's no, sliver. But but like all of the flaws of the current roster, there is a clear path to solving them. By, uh, the, right. by the by the the younger players in the organization, like the Flyers have a great first line. They need middle six help. All of their forwards and in our in middle six forwards, yeah. they had they have a a you know three man defense, but they have a bunch of good defense prospects. Like it may not be happening fast enough for what we want, but like the roadmap is there. Okay, and I will give you that. But what worries me is that I feel like Ron has done a really good job getting us sort of right to the top of the mountain but i'm not i'm getting worried that he's not going to do enough to put us over the top of the mountain or he's not going to know when it's time he's not going to know when it's time the window is going to get stretched too far open he's not taylor shut up i guess my my one my one thing though is it's not like out there for him to acquire and i feel like i don't want him to acquire it's not about acquiring i feel like we have the pieces it's just about putting those pieces on the roster at the right time. But, and but, that is a combination of Dave and Ron. But Charlie's talking about the, the middle six forwards, and that screams to me an acquisition of some sort. And there's no, there hasn't really been anybody worth acquiring. Well, no, what I, what we I, have Phantoms that can make yeah. up a, a good middle six, well, I think. What I'm saying maybe, is, like, is you, have, you have Limblom. They've really with, rebuilt the Phantoms in the past couple of years, too. I don't the need Phantoms. the Phantoms to be good, though. I don't give a shit if the well, Phantoms are good. But the thing is, they've rebuilt the Phantoms from where they were. The Phantoms were they crap. Were, they, they, were were they were terrible. They were utter trash. They were and I just, I don't feel like there's enough NHL talent down there just yet where you can pull that all up and make the there Flyers are at least a, a three great. Team. So what each of our podcasts has talked about in the past week is that this team signed Dale Weiss, Ron Hextall signed Dale Weiss. Oh, that's yeah. crap. I know <laughs> when and, and his name just Grabner. Well, yeah. Well, Michael Grabner, Grabner yeah. was available and Michael Grabner is, is a far better player See, I guess than th- Dale Weiss. These are the things and though, cheaper. Like, and this goes back to the whole Yuri Latera point that term. I made earlier today. Like, I don't give a shit about Dale Weiss. Like, it sucks. It wasn't a good signing. Ron Hexel would admit it's not a good signing, but, like, I just don't care. Like, it's fine. He's not, he's, I do. He's not playing. It's <laughs> yeah. two, it's $2.3 million a year. It's like a drop in the bucket. The team isn't even up against the cap anyway. Like, I don't want us to be blinded by decisions that don't really matter that much. And, like, if, if, if I'm putting a list together of the things that annoy me about Ron Hexel, like, 
Dale Weiss is like 20th. And that's not because it was a good move. It's just because it's generally, it's, on the whole, it's inconsequential to the success of the team. Yeah. You're, yeah. Like, it could have been better, but I just, it's it's totally different from, like, an Andrew McDonald signing that ruins everything. No, but, and yeah, like, Dale Weiss isn't holding any of the kids back. He's not playing. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Yeah, well, I, mean, I was saying that to Steph. Who's at the eh. well, I know, but, I mean, that doesn't mean that he's not holding anybody back. Taylor Lear could have been here last year. I know you hate Taylor Lear. <laughs> <laughs> who is also not playing. True, but, I mean, that's also because of Goldboard, who, for all of his faults, he is a kid. And also he's is not, not, he's not, not really the playing. Right kid. Right. <laughs> and that is all the time that we have on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. I'm sorry if we did not get to your questions, but I really, really appreciate you sending them. Uh, Bill, we hope you feel better, and Yay. we'll have you back next week. Next week, Steve, thank you for joining us. Everybody listen to Fly Perbly, which you can now find along with Broad Street Hockey Radio. Have a good Yay. week, Billy. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.